0: Avon Spakowski is a manager for Election Law Reform Initiative. RCL Dyson is the founder of the Women's Global Initiative, former educator. Bennett Snipes uh, is a crime media relations expert. And Dominique Izzo served 16 years as a police veteran. You know, what is it that lawmakers, what is it they need to do, Dominique? To change the trajectory and to change it fast before more innocent people just die for no reason at all today. hands of these callous, heart cold, cold-blooded criminals. They need
1: to give uh, authority back to the parents to be parents. The second state stepped in where they wound up having, like, DCFS, Child Family Services, to where if you saw somebody disciplining uh, a, a kid in the restaurant, you called the police and the police came over and they uh, struck up an investigation. All of a sudden, the parent was under, under uh, you know, the microscope. That's where all this went to south. This is, this is a parenting job. Physical discipline, within reason, doesn't need to return back into the home. You cannot reason with a five-year-old who's out of control with that timeout generation. I, I was born in the 70s. My parents were a little heavy-handed, but it was discipline, it was structure, it was faith, it was family. The state made sure they destroyed all that. So I don't know, if you you give that back to the parents, I don't know if they're capable of taking it over again, but that's where it needs to start.
0: Marcia? Well,
2: first of all, it's not only a family issue, you know, because I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and so I really know what a heavy hand is. It's also a community situation as well. You know, the fracturing of the community, the fracturing of the family, but it's also educational. The fact that $588 per day to keep a child in detention center rather than giving that toward education is a problem. That comes out to $218,000 a year. Would our government and our policymakers legislate that much money per child to educate them? $218,000, Armstrong, is a lot of money to benefit the children through educational and social centers. And we also need ways into which we counteract the culture into which they live, which is way different than when we grew up because the parents are not the influencer only. It is also the society in which they live, with, whether it's the groups that they hang with and definitely social media.
0: You know, Leonard, these kids are different though. They don't fear law enforcement. You know, I watch videos mm-hmm. where these kids walk into a grocery store and a law enforcement officer is at the counter taking care of his business for his family and they go to reach to grab his gun because they need a gun for whatever they need it for. And this guy's wearing a badge, and, and I, I'm watching it. They they, they disrespect law enforcement. They don't respect the th- They have no fear of being shot. Is it that they have no fear of being shot? Or is it they're just high and don't realize what they're doing at the time? How much are these drugs impacting this behavior? I mean, is this
3: brazen? Well, it's drugs, it's mental health. Um, look, 90% of the offenders that I've talked to within the correctional system they come from horrific backgrounds they come from backgrounds where they were abused both sexually violently uh, many have brain damage many have just ills from being mistreated as children uh, our parents today do not know how to raise children uh, the, one of the biggest uh, decreases that we've ever had in crime for research is when nurses and social workers went in and taught parents how to be parents. Uh, so we have a huge problem with the fact that our kids are being abused. They're being abused by their parents. They're being abused by their families and they're being abused by their communities. When you come up with no social structure whatsoever, when you come up with no love, um, when you don't read to your child, when you don't hug your child, well, how? What do we expect when they grow up that way? And again, the overwhelming majority of the offenders that I've talked to, this is what they describe as their upbringing. You talk to female offenders and the majority will tell you that they were sexually abused as children. So we have a huge problem in terms of just raising our kids and being sure that parents know how to raise our children. That is 90 percent of the problem that we are currently experiencing. You no, Hans, if you go back 20
0: or 25 years ago, these kids had the same complaints, you had the same issues. You look at the media, you look at what Ronald Reagan was fighting, you look at what's going on in the Sixers. The these, these issues are not new, but these kids are different. The, 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 the way they have no fear of the consequences is something we have not seen in recent memory.
4: Well, that's, in fact, the, the biggest problem is uh, they don't see any consequences from their misbehavior. And part of the reason for that is, as you know, in the last few years, uh, there's been this movement of these progressive, I actually call them rogue prosecutors, who've been elected in cities across the country, uh, Boston, New York, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, Chicago, Philadelphia. They don't believe in prosecuting crimes. Um, The the rogue prosecutor, Alvin Bragg, who came into Manhattan said uh, misdemeanor crimes, well, we're not going to prosecute them. And about half of the felonies um, that are committed in the city, he also said, we're not going to prosecute them. And what's the result been? Huge increases in crimes in those cities. And the thing for people to remember is uh, the crime issue is hyper localized. You could live in a safe state, but if you live in one of these cities with these rogue prosecutors, uh, you're going to be in the middle of a crime wave coming up.
0: You know, Dominique, you're listening to this conversation. Um, and, I, I, and I know um, as a, someone who's dealt with this firsthand, you have a very unique perspective on this, but I can't help but think about how the two kids, one one in the car driving and the other shooting the video, and the 60-year-old uh, law enforcement was on the bike, and the other kid with the video say, run him over, using expletives, say, run him over. Ran him over, laughed at him, joked about it, parted about it, and then they were arrested. I mean, to just know that you've killed a law enforcement officer, to know what happens when you violate the, the, the blue, code blue, I mean, they just... I mean, it was just to watching that, to see how do you get to the point where you just think that you can just kill a police officer. If you get to that point with that mindset, what will you do to anybody else?
1: Everyone, including you, all of your guests laid out the perfect... A petri dish for what we have to with today's kids you talked about drugs your other guests talked about education system and there was no love in the household and there's no buh, there's no accountability in the courts we saw that all the time the felony approval system was we used to call it felony denial because we knew we would never get anybody uh, that we arrested prosecuted so if you take that and then you take a generation that is always on their phone being desensitized you know the 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 argument over the years about the video games right that's you got people saying video games don't cause the problems, with this nonstop uh, strobe and flash and imagery that just keeps going past into your brain, everything, everything that all of your guests said completely contribute to almost like a drone uh, behaviored kid who has no, no sense of right or wrong. The drugs 100 percent do desensitize their, their, uh, their, their ability to rational, and re- you're almost creating sociopaths out there. So everything that all of your guests said. They all come together and they culminate, and you're making a breed of kids out there that has no morals. They have no morals, and it's going to keep going. Are they animals? No, because the animals have a purpose of hierarchy. They're not animals. Their their behavior isn't even animalistic, because the animal uh, the animal kingdom per they have purpose, uh, even if it's uh, jockeying for the position of who's leading the pack. So no, that's not for Marcia, fair to
0: animals. It, I felt something from you when I referred to my, as whether they're animals. Or not. They behave like the animal kingdom. No. The animal kingdom doesn't kill that way.
2: No, they're not animals. What I, what I think their behavior might seem animalistic, but these are children, and as uh, the other guest said, that. When you look at the patriotism of everything that we have said that sort of culminates into who they are now, it's even worse for them because when during COVID, I'm at the Richard Wright Charter School and we have Zoom classes and I would talk to the students they seem to be doing well. But then when you were one-on-one, they were isolating their homes. Their parents may have had mental problems. There was sexual abuse in some of the homes. So this kind of deteriorates the moral fabric right in the womb, which is called the home in our community. That's why I said we need community engagement. Certain things we never be able well, you know to legislate you know
0: we have all this
2: no you know we have it. You know, yeah, oh, yeah we do oh, oh, oh. We have oh, it. yeah we really do kids. but there's other factors too that i you know we could talk uh, about later uh, let me tell you in the public uh, school uh, let me take let me take a yeah, take break, a, take a break
0: what? i'm sorry we have all this these kids
2: are not slowing down That killing no i'm not saying they're slowing they're down but talk about why.
0: we have all the help we spent all the money we put them through all the kind of psychosis that they need to go through and guess what they're getting worse I think what is often overlooked in crime is that the lingering impact it has on families for such a long time. Sometimes when brothers go to jail, the sister, the little sister has no one else at home to care for them. Sometimes they're put in foster care. When the father's placed in jail, sometimes they're just left all alone. And we don't talk enough about the lingering
5: impact of crime. And we want to discuss that with you today, sure. Yes, Attorney Barrett. We don't talk enough about it. All day, every day, almost every day, out of our office comes a press release. And nine times out of ten, it's about an indictment, a sentencing, something bad has happened, and someone is being held appropriately accountable. And that message is important. And that sends a message of deterrence to the individuals involved and also hopefully a general deterrence to those out there and sends the message, hey, if you do wrongdoing, you may end up in a federal courthouse and in a federal correctional institution. But we don't talk enough about what your actions might make, mean to others, uh, not just victims of violent crime, but your own. Your, your mother, your grandmother, your sister, someone in your household, someone you love and care about. Um, we don't talk about that enough and the impact, uh, uh, the ripple effect that that has through our communities.
0: You know, as the U.S. Attorney for the State of Maryland, Eric Barron, um, Dominique, speak to what he just talked
1: about. It's I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to say this without being too uh, uh, blasé about the whole thing. I've heard it. I've heard it for years. There is no accountability with any kids, parents. The families are destroyed from what we saw. Uh, coming from a law enforcement point of view, we were a Band-Aid. We had the pressure from the city that told the command staff to tell us to go out there to wind up, you know, being more community police officers, which was a redundant term in itself. And then when we did our job, we're vilified by both the state who won't back us up, uh, our state's attorney or district attorney, depending upon where you're at. Um, You never saw anybody prosecuted, and then you were out to be the bad guy, which then creates animosity between the police and the public. I don't care how well you try to keep it separated. I've heard the political rhetoric over and over and over again. So to be honest, when they say their talking points, I tune out because I've yet to see, I've yet to see anybody in a position that's there for the state to actually, Care and help the families that are out there. So, to be honest, it's to me what they're saying—it's just—it's all talk. Yeah, but under his
0: his watch, he's reduced crime by 20% in the state of Maryland. You can't argue with the facts. Uh,
1: There's there's ways there's 100% ways politically wise to manipulate numbers.
0: Yeah, these numbers are not manipulated, though. Uh, I mean, even the most harshest critics have admitted that crime, particularly in Baltimore, has been dramatically decrees. I don't think you should become cynical to believe that everybody's reading from the same script. There are people out there who really care and has a conscience and want to get this crime under control, and they're willing to take take tough measures to do so, Dominique.
1: You're, you're, there's the Democrat cities, and again, I'm pinning this on Democrats, because I'm from the Chicago area. I worked in Lake County just north of Chicago, but we still had the residual that bled over from, from them. There's no money in a solution And it doesn't matter how much of an idealist you are. I ran for sheriff for Cook County. doesn't matter how great your ideas are, how well you come in for the people. The powers that be will always prevent the righteous from uh, serving the community. So, again, I am. I'm very burnt out, very disheartened. But but then again, uh, then
0: again, the governor of Merlin Westmore has given his U.S. attorney more resources and money than any other state U.S. attorney in the entire United States. They've put the funds and the money there, and they've given them the backbone to get serious about getting this crime under control.
1: As long as they're prosecuting, as long as they're upholding, as long as the cops are allowed to do their job, then that's great, that's not common, and I would love to see that spread throughout the country, but you just don't see it.
4: Hans? Well, Well, in fact, on that particular issue, look, Uh, Well, that may be Maryland, but in the District of Columbia, a report recently came out saying that the U.S. attorney there dismisses 60 percent of the cases brought to him by police officers. So he's not prosecuting the majority of crimes there. The um, uh, uh, prosecuting attorney for the district that deals with juvenile crimes has a policy that no matter what you do as a juvenile, you will not be sent to prison. Uh, They universally uh, just send kids home again and you talk to any police officer there and they'll tell you, no matter how many times they arrest a juvenile for a crime they're out the very next day
0: there's no no punishment let me ask you a controversial question sure Uh, if these kids if these juveniles were white and not black would the u.s attorney take a different position is it about they believe because these kids are brown and because they run these major cities and they look like them they don't want to get into this thing called mass incarceration, putting our little brown boys in jail. And yet, uh, uh, you look at a place like Merlin where you have 6.1 million residents and only 15,000 people commit the crime. And about 300 of them commit the most crimes, repeated and repeated. Do you think race plays a role in this?
4: Look, I, I don't know what the... Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, Just tell, I, tell No, I don't know what the motivation is. I do know that the uh, the rogue prosecutors in these major cities, they're, being, they're coming out of this school that is teaching them that we have mass incarceration, that our entire system is, is systematically racist, and that our prisons should be emptied. I mean, that's what's being taught uh, in the law schools, and that's where they come out of. But, look, people are getting so tired of this in San Francisco, you know, which is one of the most liberal cities in the country, uh, folks there are so tired of this that last year they actually recalled the, the very liberal prosecutor there because he was refusing to actually prosecute crimes. And that's the kind of reaction we need in other places too.
3: Leonard. Percent increase in violent crime per the United States Department of Justice that just came out last week through the National Crime Victimization Survey. Armstrong and guests, that is the biggest percentage increase in violent crime I've ever heard in my decades, decades of studying crime and justice in the United States. The 44 percent increase. I could go on about women uh, and their rate of victimization, men in terms of their rate of victimization, uh, record fear of crime in the United States. Uh, You know, we have an enormous problem. I mean, the largest increase in violent crime in this country's history, to my knowledge, has just been produced by the National Crime Victimization Survey. Now, there are other data. There's other data that basically says crime is decreasing. But at the moment, per the U.S. Department of Justice, that is this country's official statistic that there's been a 44 percent increase in violent crime and a huge increase in serious violent crime. So we have a problem. We have a problem and people need to come to grips with it. Now, the thing that amazes me that considering that we have record fear of crime in the United States and crime was such a big issue in terms of the midterms and will be such a big issue in terms of the upcoming presidential election that the media, the mainstream media has basically ignored ignored this report from the US Department of Justice through the National Crime Victimization Survey, 44%, a record increase in violent crime. What more do we need to wake people up to the fact that we have a very serious problem? What demographic is committing this crime, Leonard? As I've said before, the great majority of the people who are arrested in this country are not African-American. The great majority of the people uh, who are in jail are not African-American. The great majority of people who are in prison are not African-American. This goes across the board. I mean, this is a big country. And African-Americans make up 12 13% of the population. So it's impossible for the African-American population to be driving It's getting back to your question to your other guest. Um, so it's across the board in terms of a fairly equal splits between white, Hispanic, and, um, and African-American. And the point in all of this is that it's not an African-American issue. And I'm not trying to be politically correct. The point is, is that this issue that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with. You could go to cities where the African-American population is minimal and they're still struggling with this issue. We're talking about a national huge increase in violence, whether it be Baltimore, whether it be Sacramento. We're talking about big increases for men, huge increases for women. Um, across the board, you know, this is getting out of hand, not just in cities, um, but also now in suburban areas. Before, it was the increases in victimization, violent victimization, were sort of limited to cities, and now, it's now going into the suburbs, and some of the stats, I mean... So, ordinarily, people of higher incomes have less victimization. Um, People of higher incomes now have higher rates of victimizations. So... You know, this is getting out of hand. This is now moving out into the suburbs. It's now moving out into the rural areas. It's now affecting people who have not been affected that much before. And, you know, talk about a progressive agenda. If we're going to be pro-women and if we're going to be protecting women in the United States from all the ills that happen in terms of sexism, well, let's start bringing down their rates of violent crime.
0: You know, Marcia, um, what, what is fascinating about this is that the drug, the drug, the fentanyl,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. is playing a role here.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. And this is something that brought attention to some of our congressional members. When you up late at night and you watching all the commercials from the pharmaceutical companies, we are a land of drugs, we're a land of opi- opiates, and we're a land of unhappiness. We're number one on drugs, number one on happiness throughout the whole world. But if you notice some of the side effects of some of the legal drugs that we are allowed to take, it says it may cure your kidney ailment, but you might have suicidal and homicidal tendencies. That cannot be overlooked. And then when you look in the public school systems, because of a lot of the budgets did not cover some of the necessary tools or the salaries of teachers, whatever, they were augmented by pharmaceutical companies. So I, back in the day, you may have had one or two children in the classroom that had attention deficit disorder. Now almost every child has it because they can come in and give the drugs. And those drugs too for anti-depression make the children lethargic, hopeless. But again, that side effect, homicidal and suicidal tendencies. So we're living a wild, wild west. I know the gentleman talked about Chicago. I'm from Chicago. I went home and I told Mayor Lori, Lightfoot, the dodging bullets should not be a running sport. So when I talk about what some of the things that we need to do, we have to look at it overall, yes, for me, race does play a, a large part of it. I'm part of the United Justice Coalition and we'll be addressing some of this in New York City at the Javis Seminar on December the first. But when you look at how our children, they said now they want to raise the age to twenty-five because the brain doesn't really function fully to adulthood to the age of twenty-five. Well imagine how you're training those individuals to the age of 25, we used to think that it was the age of 12 when you learned everything, or at the age of three when your habits kicked in. So if you raise it to 25, if you're constantly teaching them that criminal activity is okay, then that's what they're going to be. There has to be a disruption, even in that, whether they legislate it or not. This is what I call in the churches, because we are facing a moral and spiritual crisis in America. So those who say they're righteous, remember that song, I Believe the Children, are Our Future, teach them well not bad behavior, teach them well, and let them lead the way. So not only are we darkening their present, we're darkening all of our future because they're not being taught well on so many levels. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.